Jayanoga, welcome to Adults Class Two: Practical Applications of Jainism. Let's start with the No Karma Mantra. The purpose of art is to ease the suffering of others. The reason that art is so varied is because there's many ways to ease the suffering of others. For example, art can provide us an escape from our problems. Hey, come on in. Oh, we got a book delivery. That's great. For example, art can allow us to live in a fantasy world where magic is real and there are no consequences. Art may show us that another person understands the grief that we're going through. It may show us that we're not alone in our suffering because the artist is showing that they have suffered in a similar way. Come on in, great to see you. It can, art can give a voice to the voiceless. As another example, art can be a space that allows us to laugh at the sorry conditions that we find ourselves in, the conditions of our life. So has art ever changed your life? You know, last year you had this topic and I'm not an art person by any means and I struggled that time and even now. This, I see a picture and like, how is this going to do any good to me or right. bad or I don't, I'm blank, like I don't have any thoughts. Right. You see, uh, but then what changed my perspective is you showed the Jain flag, which I had no idea we had a Jain flag. Right. Hi, come on in. Hi, come on in. Great to see you. And then the, the, the our structure, right? Um, the, I forgot. The, the, the manship structure. Right. What, what is that called? Uh, symbol. The symbol, our Jain symbol. And then I understood where we are. You know, the entire summer, me and now even summer and Panjoshan, we talked about where we are. You know how the whole thing, I don't know. The symbol, Jay, right. symbol, right? The shape of the, the universe. The shape of the now universe. Now we're in the right. middle. Right. And we are right in the middle. What's the the Devlok and the Tirianch uh, and the... That's the, right. Uh, our Nehru Parvat, where it is, and the Simanda Swami. And I've been so fascinated by Simanda Swami. I'm... I'm putting and thinking a lot about it because that's the Tirthankar right now. Mm -hmm. And we can telepath over there. Right. So that's great. So art has changed your life. It has. That's but great. other than that, I, again, you should be something <laughs> else like Mona Lisa. Like, I don't care about it. <laughs> what's great about the Mona Lisa is that it changes based on where you look. And so the artist, uh, Da Vinci? Da Vinci. Da Vinci understood something about shadows and perspective that nobody else understood. And he showed that he understood that by painting the Mona Lisa. Has anybody else, has art ever changed your life? If you're counting music as art? Of course. I don't, I don't, I don't have much uh, um, appreciation of visual art, but uh -huh. like the music is for me like a soundtrack for my life, you know, like growing up, Various you too, uh, right? It creates me. Yep, you too for sure. But the the moods, the the rhythms, even now. I mean, if I want to do something and and get motivated, exercise, run something. If I'm not playing a 
the right music, <laughs> it can make or break that <laughs> that workout. So for me, the the music has been it, it really impacts the the mood and the pace of what I'm doing. You know, that's great. So the best start. Hi, come on in. Okay. So the best art tells us something about ourselves. Um, it makes us examine our beliefs, and it can even help us change our beliefs because they are a mirror through which we see ourselves. But only if we think about that art. It's very easy to not think. For example, let's say you're watching a movie. Uh, it's very easy to let other people do the thinking for us to turn our brain off and not understand what the artist is trying to say. Uh, I have a confession to make. You know, I actually like those art house movies that make $2 at the box office. Uh, I didn't like them before, but now I like them because I started being proactive about trying to understand what the artist is trying to tell me. That is, at one end of the spectrum, you can sit back and you can just let the movie come to you. And if you can't figure it out, it's it's the artist's problem, right? Or you can be engaged. You can constantly ask yourself questions during the whole movie. Why is this happening? What is the artist trying to say? Why did he choose this perspective? Why are these characters here? And you can play very close attention. It's kind of like if you learned about active listening and passive listening, right? It's kind of like that. You can actively consume art or you can passively consume art. But here's the thing, it's exhausting to watch a movie like that. If you're trying to relax and watch a movie, you can't watch a movie like that because it's very exhausting. You feel like you like just ran a mile after you watched a movie. And here's the point, life is exactly like that. You can go through life actively or passively along that same spectrum. You can sit back and let your life come to you or you can actively examine your life. But if you don't, if you do sit back and relax through life, you'll find that other people are doing your thinking for you. And you'll find that you're working for other people's goals, not your own goals. Have you ever been uh, talking with somebody and you know exactly where they get their news from? Has that ever happened to you? They just repeat what they say, what they heard as a headline. You know, it happens to me too, right? Um, if the topic comes up and the topic is celebrity news, okay? I know that Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey, but that's all I know. I couldn't tell you anything more than that, okay? Because I don't care about anything more than that because I haven't thought about it anything more than that. Uh, you know, one time I was talking with somebody and uh, they expressed a talking point as their own opinion. And how, can, how you can tell is that if you ask them about it, they can't answer anything about the talking point that they just mentioned, right? Because they haven't thought about it. It's just something that they regurgitated to you. So it's almost like their head is a TV screen and you're just talking to the host of the talk show that they got, the, that they got it from, right? Uh, you're just talking to the news host. Has that ever happened to anybody? No, but it's getting worse now. Sound bites are getting smaller, and right. <laughs> people are people are getting their sound bites from Instagram, Facebook, whatever. So, yeah. And you ask them about it, and they and then they'll say, "Oh," and they'll hem and ha, and because they haven't really thought about it. And if you give them a good counterexample, they don't want to think about it. And then if you keep pressing them, they'll say, "Oh, well, that's just my opinion." 
as if that somehow absolves it, right? As if, as if that somehow makes it okay to not have an opinion you can't back up. The more you pay attention to this, the more you realize everyone is walking around with TVs on their shoulders instead of heads. That is, it's true in more ways than one. Uh, look around, imagine everyone in this room had a TV for a head, including you. Imagine your head was a TV, and what is displayed on it is what you're seeing right now. Look at people. No, go ahead and look at people. Okay? Imagine that their head is a television set. Well, one guy did exactly this, and he changed people's lives forever. His name was Douglas Harding, and his philosophy was the headless way. Has anybody ever heard of this? What is it called? The headless way. Okay, so the headless way is a concept of Douglas Harding had a sub, uh, sublime experience, and sublime here doesn't mean good, it means the actual definition of sublime, where he experienced sublimation. So he had this uh, epiphany, and he told people about it. Um, it's, he wrote a couple of books about it, and people really loved it, because what it was is he made people aware of the non-duality of nature, that is, there is no difference between subject and object, okay? Um, your essential self or your true identity is not limited to what's inside your body. This is how he put it, right? Instead, it's formless, boundless awareness that is aware of everything but cannot be seen as an object. All right? And so he emphasized direct experience rather than what you think you know about things. And we're going to try an experiment of his. But first, we're going to do an awareness exercise so you know what an awareness exercise is. That is, first, we're, go we're going to do an awareness exercise of the headless way. But you may not know what an awareness exercise is. So as an appetizer, we're going to do another unrelated awareness exercise. And the point of an awareness exercise is to get you feeling a different way than you feel currently. Okay? It's to make you be aware of... Uh, a, parad a paradigm shift in what you your normal day-to-day -day experience okay so you may have done this before we're going you theoretically know that your skin is a very thin layer it's an organ of your body and it's very thin you actually are mostly a uh, body your body is mostly made of pink muscles right and that's the majority of your body but you don't really think of your body as like a skeleton surrounded by pink muscles right but we're going to try to change your awareness by doing an awareness exercise. So what I want you to do is put your hands up to your face and then pull down on your cheeks as hard as you can. Okay? Pull down. Now look at your neighbor. And you'll see that you'll see a lot of pink muscle underneath there. Right? Now keep looking at your neighbor. Don't look away. <laughs> keep looking at your neighbor. All right. All right, Toby, you can look at me. All right. So you see me. So you see, just keep on looking at the pink part, right? And you can do this in a mirror at home. We don't have a mirror here. But look at the pink part, and now imagine that's all over that person's body, right? So does anybody feel any different? Did anybody see what I'm talking about? Or no? Sure. Okay, well, this is the easiest one, so it's a problem yeah. if you didn't see it. So let's try it again, okay? <laughs> so let's pull down, you gotta pull it down really hard, all right? 
and you got to look at the other person or look in a mirror and it helps if you just be quiet and you look exactly where the pink part is and you see that oh their eyes are surrounded by this pink muscle and their whole body is like that all right and their the, the skin is basically doesn't matter all right did anybody else see that we had one person last time yeah I think so Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it makes you feel a different way about a body. Have right? you been to the body world? Yeah. 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 Body world is amazing. Know what I was thinking too. Yeah. Visualizing it without the skin, which is what they do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a traveling. Right. Okay. So a couple more people. Okay. So this doesn't look good for our next awareness. <laughs> okay. So we're gonna do another awareness exercise. Hi. Come on in. Thanks for coming today. We're gonna do. But before we get to that, we have to talk about light. Uh, can you close the door for me? Oh, no problem. So how does light work? So there's a light source. Okay, pretend there's one there. And it hits an object, all right? And they're photons, right? Light is made of photons. And that object uh, absorbs some photons, absorbs some wavelengths, and reflects other wavelengths. And that's how we know that it's a certain color. Right. That's the only reason it's a certain color. Right. And then those that are reflected come to our eyes. Right. And then we perceive that object and we perceive the color of our object. Right. So all we're seeing is photons. All we're experiencing is photons hitting our eyes. OK. So that means I don't know whether that object is real or not, because somebody could be shining photons in my eyes of an object that's not real. Right. So I can't guarantee you that an object that I see is real. Mm -hmm. Does everybody understand that? Because all I'm doing is just photons. So if I had a cool little laser, I could shine it into your eyes and make, make you believe that object is there, but it's not there. Mm -hmm. Because I'm just manipulating photons, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So now all you're seeing, all you ever see is right here. It's just photons right here, right? Just right in front of your eyes. There's, you see a tree out there. You don't know if that's real or not. The only thing you know is that the photons are hitting your eyes, mm -hmm. right? So everything you see is just right here. Right. Okay, so put your hands over your eyes. Everything you see is just this close to you because it's just the photons, right? Mm -hmm. You're not seeing anything further away than that close to you. That is everything, imagine you're seeing something. That's where it is. It's on your eyes because it's photons hitting your eyes. Okay, so you can remove your hands. Okay, so does everybody understand that? That that's how light works? That is, you only quote unquote see things that are on your eyes. <laughs> everything else is dark. Okay, you don't know if it's real or not, so it might as well be, it might as well be a dark space all around you. Okay, so it's very important we understand that. So I'm happy to go over that again or say it in a different way if nobody understood that. Okay, so now let's try another awareness exercise. And so uh, for, this, for this one, it'll help if we don't see anybody else. So I'm going to ask you to turn around so that you can't see anybody else, see anybody's face, okay? And it'll help uh, if you're quiet 
And it will help if you hold your head very still. Okay, I see Ashish is coming, so we're just going to wait for Ashish to come because he's going to disrupt the exercise. Hey, come on in. <laughs> so settling in. Um, we're trying an awareness exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking about the photon topic. Yeah. Um, I went to a dinner that was uh, it's called blackout. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, you eat in the dark, right? You eat in yeah. the dark. And they Surprise. serve you in the dark. And they don't tell you what they're serving. <laughs> we knew we knew it was like meeting our, our, our right. dietary restrictions, but it right. was they don't tell you what you're eating and everyone just figures it out as they're eating. <laughs> it, was, it was different. Okay, so all we're doing is an awareness exercise of what's called the non-duality of nature. That's it, okay? We're just gonna feel a different way. And what I will ask you to do is hold your head very still, okay? and keep your eyes open. I will ask you to move your arms. And I will ask you not to talk because that will take us out of it. All right, so let's take just three deep breaths. Okay, I think Nick is coming, so now I think we have to wait. So why don't, when we wait for Nick, why don't we just keep on breathing deeply? All right, now take your hand and open your eyes and point to something in front of you. Point to an object, okay? Now that object, has a shape and it has a color and it's a thing okay now point to something lower point to another object it could be the floor or the carpet or anything now that is also a thing it has a shape and it has a color okay now Point to your knee. Okay, now you can see that it's a thing. You're looking at the color of your clothes. It has a shape. It is a thing. Now, point to your torso and look at your torso. It's also a thing. It has a shape and a color. Now, put your hand in front of you and point so that you see your finger and look at it uh, like this. If you don't know what I'm doing, then look at me and point to yourself. Now, keep your head still and take a look at what you see. You do not see an object. What do you believe is here? Now, I'm not asking you to think about what you believe is here. I'm asking you to put aside your belief and take a fresh look at what are you pointing at. Rather than what you think is there, what do you see? What you are pointing at is the world that you see, which includes your finger. 
What you are pointing at is not a thing. It is a picture, like a piece of art. In fact, you don't have a head. Where your head should be is only a picture of what you see. It's as if you had a mirror or a television on your shoulders that only projects exactly what you see. That is, what are you pointing at? In your direct experience, theoretically, you think you're pointing at your head, but it's not there, you cannot see it. What you are pointing at is the world that you experience, just like photons that hit your eyes. What you are pointing at looks like a movie screen that you experience the world through, and that is the world. So in fact, you see, you do not have a head and have something else where your head should be. Okay, you can stop pointing and you can turn around. Okay, so that was an awareness exercise in the non-duality of nature. Oh, hey. Hey, come on in. Yeah, yeah, there's an old E and there's the new thing. Uh, did anybody feel a different way? Nope. Felt like it was an object other than finger at some point. Right. And also felt like if that's what I see when I see myself, then it is something different. As if, if you're looking in the mirror and if you see an object, mm -hmm. any shape, if that's what you, that's what it is uh, believed to be you. That's how I felt. In other words, looking in the mirror, I didn't see my face. I saw an object of some different shape. Right. In this case was the finger. Right. Like that's what I saw as me. Right. And so what Bhavan describes is very important. I think a lot of you didn't understand it. That is, if you, every, we know it's a mirror, so we know it's a reflection. But what we're trying to say and look at with direct experience is that imagine you're looking at an object and you didn't know it was a mirror, okay? So when I'm asking you, what are you pointing at, okay? It helps to understand that you don't experience your head, okay? You might see your nose or your glasses, but they're not attached to anything, okay? That is, you just experience the world. So, if you practice this enough and do this enough, you become a disciple of Douglas Harding and practice the headless way. This is an awareness exercise to give you a taste of that there's something there when people talk about non-duality. So, what do people uh, experience? They experience a universal perspective. The headless way invites individuals to shift their perspective from the conventional sense of being to a being a separate self with no head, that is, a universal experience. They experience liberation from conditioning. They break free from their conditioned beliefs and self-limiting patterns. They experience unity and love sometimes. Uh, they have a sense of unity with other people. Um, they feel love, compassion, and interconnectedness. So try this next time. You can actually look it up on YouTube. If you look up The Pointing Experiment by Douglas Harding, uh, it helps to be alone 
It helps to be quiet and reflective and contemplative. That's why I had you turn around. Because it's hard when you see other people's head to imagine that you don't have one, right? Uh, so it helps if you're alone. It helps if it's quiet. Um, and it helps if you uh, get yourself in the right headspace to try to do that. The headless way, uh, okay, so we talked about that. Questions or comments about any any of that? Was the point of the experiment to imagine not seeing yourself, like the physical attributes, and then you're trying to, you're trying to look into what it is that you're pointing at that's, that's besides the physical? So the problem is, is um, the point is to realize that you don't experience your head. And then once you start to real, so once you have an inkling about that, that will open the door to what's this mumbo jumbo people call the non-duality of nature. Okay, that is, there is no subject and there is no object. And the point that, I, and I want you to practice this because you'll start to realize that there is something there when people talk about that. It's not people trying to bamboozle you. It's not people trying to be above you and saying they're experiencing something that you can't understand. The point is that you should experience the slightest bit of that awareness. And the point is to ex realize through direct experience, if you're only talking about direct experience and not talking about anything theoretical, that you don't have a head. That is, you can see your feet, you can see your torso, you can see your hands, and they all connect to nothing. And where that, what that nothing is, you experience as the entirety of what you see. And so the entirety of what you see is projected right here, like a television screen on your head. It's like photons coming in, coming in. And so like your head is a television screen. And then you'll feel differently. Uh, you will experience uh, a profound kind of peace. You'll experience a quiet at first, and then you'll experience like a little bit of peace. Uh, if you have anything going on in your head, you won't, that will go away. Like if you have a stuffy nose, you won't feel that. If you have a headache, you won't feel that because you are starting to experience your head not being there. And after that, you will experience a kind of profound thinking of this is amazing and is this it? Is this all he was talking about? And if you experience that, you've hit it, okay? You, you say, this is amazing, this is profound, everybody's walking around with this television set on their heads and then you'll be like, is that all he was talking about? And yes, that is all I was talking about once you feel that. And then, uh, and then you'll start to experience life differently. And if you can hang on to that, and if you can, you'll be able to call it up whenever you want, and you'll be, it's like whistling, like we said earlier. You'll be able to practice it, and then you start to, if you get to where this guy Douglas Harding was, you'll start to live your life like that. Questions or comments about any of that? Okay, so what does this have anything to do with Jainism? We've been sitting here for an, a half an hour and we haven't talked about Jainism yet. What does anything we talked about have to do with Jainism?
That is, you can use the world as a mirror for your soul. We talked about going through life, listening actively and passively, watching a movie actively and passively, and living your life actively and passively. What you think of the world is you think that the instead of using the world as a mirror for your soul, you believe that somehow the world exists and that you should inspect it and that you should pay attention to what's going on. No, the only thing that matters is what the world has to say about your soul. That is, when your kids don't brush their teeth, that causes some kind of feeling inside of you. And you can use that to as a mirror for what your soul is. You get angry. Why did I get angry? He's a kid. He's not going to brush his teeth. Anger doesn't need to come in the, into the equation, right? When your kid gets a bad grade at school, you can use that to inspect yourself. Why am I upset that my kid got a bad grade? What expectations did I have? Why, does, why do these feelings rise up in me? When your kid doesn't want to go to Patsala and complains, you can use that as a mirror for yourself. So now that you understand it, you can use everything you see and everything that happens as a mirror for your soul to prove to yourself that your soul is there. And once you prove that you're to yourself, your life is going to change. Hi, come on in. How you doing? Okay. You can use anything and everything as a mirror. And it's more important that you use it as a mirror than it is what is going on. Hi, come on in. How are you doing? I'm good. Question. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't find a link between um, what you just said between you know, a kid, my kid not brushing and me getting upset mm -hmm. and you know, not sleeping at 9 a.m. 9 p.m. because right. I know if he doesn't sleep, it's not going to wake up in the morning. So I have to yell at him. Right now he's upset. You have I'm to upset. yell at him. <laughs> I have to. Right? right. That's the only way I think it works. Right. That might be wrong, but it works. Sure. <laughs> sure. So I'm finding a disconnect with what? How can I like? How can I put this to use? Sure. Uh, so things happen and they cause sensations within you right. and your only responsibility is to monitor those sensations, examine yourself why you have those sensations and learn something about your soul to believe you're a soul because once you start doing it for everything you'll start believing you're a soul because you'll inspect those sensations very closely and figure out and so then you'll start to realize that the things happening are not the important things. The only important things is the reflections that go on within yourself. And those are the only use for anything that happens, anything you experience, and anything that you see. So that was just an example. I could look at that tree and see it waving in the wind, and I could have a thought because of it. And I could say, why did I get that thought? What is going on? What is it about me that gets that, that, gets that thought, right? And so, uh, the fact that the tree was waving was inconsequential at some point. The fact that it caused me to have a reaction, that's what I want to experience. And that's what reflecting on your soul is. So the reason why it's important, why everything we talked about, what does it have to do with Jainism? It has to do with convincing yourself you're a soul.
which is our number one problem. That is, we don't believe we're a soul. And so I just gave you an avenue to try to convince yourself you're a soul and to try to experience your soul. And plus, it'll help you with the kashayas, right? Anger, ego, deceit, and greed. Whereas where you have, um, when somebody does something to you or when somebody uh, causes one of these passions within you, you step back and you say, you inspect those and you say, why did that cause it within me? What is going on in my life? What is going on in my life that caused this anger? Is it a mismatch between expectation and reality that caused the anger inside of me? Am I getting angry at myself? Uh, why am I getting angry at myself? There's no use in getting angry at myself. Um, why do you say that you are getting angry at yourself? What does that mean? So anger is caused between, by uh, the cause of anger is the mismatch between expectations and reality. So all anger is directed at the self. Can you give me an example where anger is not directed at the self? Like the example what he gave, right? Okay. So it doesn't do anything. I'm getting angry at the kid. So your now, kid doesn't go to you sleep. You and you get you get angry, right? <laughs> your kid doesn't go to sleep. But didn't you know it was possible that your kid would refuse to go to sleep? Yes, that's a possibility. Right, so that's the mismatch between, you knew there was a reality, but your expectations were different. Right. Why were your expectations different from reality? Because you're Indian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, isn't it it's important to get angry occasionally? That's where you're trying to correct yourself. No, it's not important to get angry. That is out there. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Can you can you start over? Can you start over and tell me again? I know what you're trying to say, but it's like, isn't it is normal expression of a soul to get angry? Because if you are not, if you are accepting everything as it is, you're not going to correct yourself. Is important. It's a normal gesture to be angry. That's where you reflect back, and then you realize that this is something is not right or wrong. So, being angry is not a characteristic of the soul. The characteristics of the soul are infinite knowledge, infinite peace, infinite bless, uh, bless, bless. That's peace, though. Uh, infinite wisdom is knowledge. So, the point is, is that it's actually the opposite. The character of your soul is to not get angry at anything at all. It's, I mean, you, have, we, we've tried this before. We've tried this, you know, how to go adapt the expectation, right? So if you change the expectation that, okay, you know what, you're not expecting something and something happens, it's one thing. But if you work with them on the same expectation, they know what that expectation is, right? What does that mean? Like if, if we apply that to this case example, what, what, what do you mean working on expectation? Your expectation should be in line with reality. The reason you got angry was because your expectations were different from reality. And that means you got angry at yourself, not at your child. No, but that means that I'm not doing anything, I'm just watching. That's that's what the reality is, right? If, if I don't say anything, that... Yeah, yeah. 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 It, it, it is, right? I mean, we are a parent to tell them what's right like you have to brush you have to go to sleep otherwise you're not going to get up in the morning. but what does that have to do with being angry yeah. you can do all that without getting angry if you have a child who doesn't go to sleep and the difference in how i react to that versus my wife right both of us have souls but <laughs> my, 
one person will be, I said nine o'clock, what are you still doing here? And voices goes up, the other person is like, not angry, because their expectation was different, and she takes the whole situation differently. She'll be like, let's get the water, let's walk upstairs, come with me, love you, kissy, this, that, and the other. The, both of us are trying to get the job done, but there is not anger in one of them. You can do things. I'm not saying you can't <laughs> do things. I'm saying don't get angry about it because all you're doing is getting angry at yourself. That is, all anger is directed at the self because you have a mismatch between reality and expectations. And are you going to change reality? No, you are not. The only thing you can change is expectation. That's your expectation that you want to change reality. <laughs> That's the reality. Yeah. What's happening right now? What's of course, you're seeing it. It is a different from person to person. It's a perspective. No, but you can't. You can't. He's saying that don't get up. You can avoid getting upset to do that. And when you do get upset, it's actually your expectation that you're getting upset at because you set this expectation. I mean, the perfect example I can give you this, right? That when we started serving lunch here, everyone's like, what else is there? What else is there? What else is there? <laughs> and then we just set the expectation. The first thing I did is I said, here's the menu, guys. Everyone knew what the menu was. There was no expectation that we set the same expectation, it's true. right? That, hey, this is what we're going to try to do. Right? So then people don't ask, do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? This, And that's the one I can give you from Temple. From home, I can give you a bunch. Like, I think that as parents and as Indian parents or Asian parents, we have these high levels of expectation because we want something better for our child than maybe our parents had or our grandparents had or we had. Right? So we want them to excel in what the problem is we have to give them the tools to go do that. Right? And when we don't support them and set these high expectations that probably aren't achievable in the time frame we want to do it, it doesn't allow us to do it. And so we all fail. And the failure is our anger at ourselves, right? That, shoot, you know, why did my son or daughter get a, a 90? Why, why didn't they just brush their teeth? It's not a, how hard is it? How complicated it is? We get angry at ourselves. And they're still there just like very calm. So I think that if you just take this a week and every time you think you're going to get angry, just reassess that. I think it'll help you a lot. I mean, it's definitely helped me calm down. I can't do it at work. I just like, I just can't do it at work. I think it's very hard for me to do it at work uh, because of my short patience. But I do see us like when we start a meeting now. It's like, at the end of this meeting, where are we going to get at? Right? So we set the expectation of what we want at, what the deliverable is, right? You know? So it's different, right? Um, when you talk to different people. That's good. Having expectation. But in the day-to-day -day life, like when we juggle between the work and the family and everything, I feel like everyday basis, maybe you don't get angry, but you have this frustration or that negative emotions about the situation. That's right. Yeah, that's anger. Then <laughs> fast pace is so much as, for example, like work, you even don't realize that, hey, you are creating this and you don't know how to control that. I have a hard time struggling controlling it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's not like I'm not verbalizing or I'm not, nobody can know, but I know in my heart that I'm getting angry, you know? 
Of course, uh, outside, like I'm sweet and all that, and I'm that at work, of course, because I have no option. But inside, it's a bow. You are creating that bow, and that means you're a failure. You're absolutely right. I never said it was easy. <laughs> it's easy to talk about this within these four walls. This class has always been about taking what we learned here and applying it outside to our life. It's easy once you leave that door to think about, well, what's for lunch and what's this and to get back to your regular life. It's very hard to do, but I can't be with you your whole life. I'd like to because I care about every one of you and I'd like to make your life better. This is the only time I get with you. So the only thing I can do is try to show you that there is something here worth inspecting. Yes. So I was saying, so everyone, when between me and my child, the expectation is that they're supposed to brush, right? And when they don't brush, I know the consequences, and I'm the one who's going to have to deal with the consequences. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the problem. That's right? the problem. So you have to clean up the messes yeah. of your child. And that's why you get angry. Because why do I have to clean up this stuff that he did it? It's, well, why am I suffering the consequences of his actions? I thought this was Jainism. That you suffer the consequences of your own actions. Guess what? You do suffer the consequences of your own actions because you're the one that got angry. So just as. Uh, Practical this is. Um, I've been here class for uh, three or four years now. Folks who've been here, I'm sure their anger level has dropped. So if you're first year, come next year and hopefully. <laughs> it's a reiteration of every year. So uh, yes. thank you to Mayor for allowing us a weekly reminder. Because as he says, you pretty much get the one hour. 99% of us, when you leave, we kind of go back to our reality. But uh, this one hour will help you reinforce that. And uh, hope you can apply it next in, in your day to day life. Right. You still look like you don't believe me. <laughs> I'm trying to apply this to my real life. Yes, that's what I want. Yes. And I'm like, okay, well, here's the thing. My happiness is attached to my child's happiness. Okay? So I think that's like I've created a family. I am responsible for my family. I can't walk away from Now you know why your family is a chain around your neck. It, it, now you know why your family is inhibiting your spiritual progress. Now you know why these attachments are bad. Because they cause you to do bad karma. They cause you to get angry. And it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your soul. But it's a cage you created around yourself that locks you in to this cycle of birth and death and locks you into performing bad karma when you don't want to. That person did something that's causing you to get bad karma. What an injustice. <laughs> it's not fair. But you have the ability to break out of it by saying, yes, you did not brush your teeth. This was something that was within the realm of possibility. Now, before I get angry, I'm going to take a deep breath. And then I'm going to count to 10. And I'm going to realize that anger is the mismatch between expectations and reality. What more were my expectations? My expectations was for you to make an A on this test, and you didn't. What do I have to do to help you? Because I have assumed that responsibility, and I can't back out of it now. I can work on it. I can carve out a half an hour every day. I can work on it with you. I have money. I can get you a tutor. I can do this. I can do that. But none of that is getting angry. 
It's recognized, just because you recognize a problem and you implement a solution to the problem, anger doesn't have to come into the equation. Yes, you didn't brush your teeth. Yes, you're gonna be tired in the morning. Yes, I have dealt with this before. Yes, you spilled that thing and now I have to clean it up because you don't know how to clean up anything. That was what I got myself into when I had this child. And now I realize that too late. <laughs> now I realize that, but now this is my karma coming home to roost. I have a choice to make. I can do further bad karma by getting angry about it, or I can turn it into a good situation and realize that anger is directed at the self. And there's no point in me getting angry at myself because I had a child eight years ago. This is the situation I find myself in. I can only start walking on the spiritual path from here. Other questions or comments? So I heard this, and I think that changed my morning perspective is I used to wake up 6.45. My younger one's bus comes at 7.20. I am late 10 minutes. Now everything changes. I'm now upset at myself, upset at him. Why didn't he wake up, brush, this, that? Now, very nicely, I wake up at 6, 6.20, I wake him up. Now, he has one hour to get ready. He, while waking up, he sleeps on this couch, this couch. He does all this for 20 minutes. I'm not even upset because I have already accounted for this. Now, he knows 6.40. He has done all his playing, sleeping, no this, no that. All his no's are done. Now, it comes into yes. He's in a good mood. I'm in a good mood already because I've already given myself that cushion, the time. You change your expectations to conform exactly. with reality. Exactly. To put yourself in a situation to win by not getting angry. That only works if if your child goes to bed early, to wake up early. <laughs> true and not true. So even if he doesn't go to bed early, if I wake him up, when I want to wake him up mm -hmm. and I'm giving myself enough time to bring him in the mood. So now he's into cricket, right? Mm -hmm. So if I wake him up at 6.20, like, he'll like, Daddy, no, this, I'm tired. You want to play cricket? Whatever. I want to play music. Okay, whatever makes him come into that mood, I'm okay. Before mm -hmm. English songs, no. In the morning, go to listen to this and this. I'm like, okay, whatever it makes for you to come into the mood, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I think as parents, you know, we talk about these expectations, but... As I've, like, I have a 16-year-old, uh, and through that journey, I've learned one thing. It's okay. It's okay when things don't go right. It's just, yeah. it's okay. Like, they got a 92. It's okay. They want me to get 100. It's okay, right? We can't change it. There's no doubt about that, right? She'll come home, she'll tell me that, you know, Dad, I didn't do well on a, a test or whatnot. It's okay. I can't change that. All I can do is help her move that forward, right? So... Our, our, us getting upset is like us failing to do it on the front end, right? You know, accepting. Yeah. So like, you know, once again, our expectation is like, you know, kids need 1600 on their SAT. No, they just need to be happy at what school they go to. Let's yeah. focus that to what school they want to go to and help them do that. So once again, I think that everyone's parenting style is different, but to stay to keep everyone at par, as in not be angry at each other. And that sometimes goes on for days or hours or weeks or whatever, right? Because it's like, dad, you told me this and mom, you told me this. It could be 
very good conversation. And I can tell you that my relationship with my daughters have become totally different because now they come and they set their expectation saying, I think I want to go do this, right? So it allows us to say, okay, how do we help you go do that? So the first step is not getting angry. Okay, so once you learn that, what we talked about today was perhaps an advanced technique. That is, using these things to reflect on your soul. So when your kid comes home with a bad grade, and you say that, first you feel upset, and then you don't vocalize it, you just monitor it, and then you say, why am I upset? Anger, I'm upset at myself because I didn't push this kid hard enough. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. That, however hard I push, She's going to suffer the consequences of her actions. I'm going to suffer the consequences of mine. I realize I'm a soul. I realize she's a soul. And then that's what I'm talking about, about using the world as a mirror for your soul. Okay? That's perhaps an advanced technique. But the first step is to not get angry. The second step is to monitor your passions. And the third step is to use that monitoring to reinforce that you're a soul. Other questions or comments? I'll get something That's okay. Thanks so much for your time this week. I really sure. appreciate that.